0: Welcome to this
1: edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Life is all about relationships, right? And life is best when relationships are good. And when there's tension or a fracture in a relationship, that's when life becomes so difficult. If we would practice just serving one another, life would be much more enjoyable. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Christ.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and chapter 10, verses 35 through 45, in a message titled, The Greatest in the Kingdom. Now, here's
1: Pastor Brian. We cannot let the world influence us when we think of what greatness is because the ideas of the world do always creep into the church so in the day that we're living in you know the church has always had a business component to it when you get to be a certain size as a church you there's just naturally a business component to it and that's okay fine it's it is what it is But then what happens is some people come along and they say, well, you know, the church, of course, yes, has this business component and the church is a corporation. And so, you know, this is how corporations function. This is how corporations operate. So let's just take what the corporations do and let's move it into the church. And this is how we'll run the church. And some of that stuff is okay because it's just practical accounting and, and things like that. That's fine. But when the mentality becomes like this, okay, so uh, in the corporate world, the, the person, you know, the most important person in a corporation is the chief executive officer and the CEO. So, okay, now the church, well, okay, the church is a corporation too. So the pastor, let's not... You know, pastor is like an old-fashioned word. That, you know, it's like a shepherd, you know, Bible stuff that people don't know anything about. Let's just call him the CEO. That happens. That's not, I'm not making this up. This is reality. The minute the pastor prefers to be known as the CEO rather than the shepherd, the ship is already sinking. That is a massive problem. But that's the infiltration of the world into the church. Now, many times the pastor is the CEO. That's not the problem. The problem is when the idea of the CEO and what that means in regard to power, what it re- means in regard to position, what it means in regard to compensation, and all that, that's when it becomes the problem. So, how is it that having this very clear teaching by Jesus right in front of us and, and you know, many times preaching it, how is it that, that we miss this? I was on the phone with a friend last night and he I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to expose this. But uh, you know, there's a, a very well-known church in a region of the country with thousands and thousands of people, and they've literally just imploded. They've just gone from you know 15,000 members down to 5,000 members, and they're offerings and so forth have been cut in half or more and all of this why did this happen well this happened because the pastor of the church forgot that he was supposed to be the servant of all and wanted to be the lord of all and it just ultimately wrecked everything so this is a real danger this kind of stuff happens and it's it's the root of it is pride Pride is the root of the pursuit of power. And as we've all heard, power corrupts. We've heard that, right? And then we've heard that somebody else added to it, uh, an absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, it's true. It's really true. Sometimes people ask me. So I I have been, it's hard to believe that I have been pastoring almost 40 years. It's hard for me to believe because I don't even feel like I'm older than 40 years old. So... (laughs) But, so, you know, people will ask me, so in all of the years in ministry, Brian, what do, what do you see? What, you know, what, what, is, what is the danger? What are the pitfalls? You know, what should we watch out for? And you know what I always say? I say, watch out for pride. Pride and power are the two components, and they, they really kind of go hand in hand. Pride precedes the pursuit of power, but that's the destructive force so often in, in ministries. And But here's the thing about pride. You know, pride is subtle. It's subtle, and we all have our battles with it. We all battle with pride at times. That's the important thing, battling it and beating it back and fighting against it. Because it's there. It resides in the human heart. There's not one of us that's not prideful about something. And there's always these temptations for pride to, to take over. So it starts off subtly... And it's just allowing for pride in, in some areas, but then it can just begin to take over your whole life. And, and pretty soon, you're all about power. You're all about control. And those are such dangerous things. So recognize that it's subtle Recognize that it's progressive, recognize that it starts off small, but if you allow it, if you cater to it, if you don't deal with it, it's only going to get worse. Now, I have been really blessed in life. I have, I live with a pride killer. Her name is Cheryl. <laughs> that, she can detect pride when it's not even there. thus we have many arguments because i'm not prideful no i'm not prideful honey that's your imagination i'm not prideful no she she can she's good at detective pride and there are times where you know god has used her so many times because it's subtle, pride is subtle. So I, I'm not really seeing that I'm prideful about something. I'm just thinking that I'm right about it or whatever. And, and, you know, she'll just look at me and go, you know, that's your pride. And, of course, my response is, no, it's not. You're prideful thinking that I'm prideful. <laughs> but, you know, most of the time God is on her side. So she ends up winning because <laughs> he's, he's there hammering on me as well. But... Listen, we all battle with this, but like I said, we got to battle it. We got to fight it, and we can't give place to it. We can't give room to it, and Jesus knew that unless these guys got this vital message of servant leadership, the kingdom wasn't going to go far. And, and all throughout the history of the church, the 2,000 years of church history, wherever you see the church implode, it's always connected to these two things, pride and power. Servant leadership. Jesus says, this is it. Be, be the servant. Here's, here's a really interesting thing. Right now, in the corporate world, many people in the area of you know consulting and so forth I met this guy in Australia a while back, and he's he's a Christian man. He consults for large corporations, and he helps them with their, you know, managing their people and so forth. And he's telling us, and I've seen this in other literature I've read as well, that actually the world is catching on to a servant leadership model. So actually in the corporate world today, you know, heads of corporations will say, you know, we've got to change our approach to dealing with our employees. We've got to take a a more uh, servant kind of attitude. They actually refer to it as servant leadership. So the irony is that (laughs) the corporate world, and granted, the the bottom line for the corporate world is always profit. So it's like, well, look, we're going to be more profitable if we do this. So let's do this. But The irony is that the corporate world is getting the idea of servant leadership and the place where it should always have been modeled is all caught up in in the power grab. A young guy named Kyle Strobel and Jamin Coggins, these two guys wrote a book titled The Way of the Dragon and The Way of the Lamb. And it's just addressing the issue within the church of this power thing. And... Lamenting and calling to repentance those in church leadership who are operating from the base of, of power and dominating and controlling and that that sort of thing. So the world's catching on, maybe for the wrong motive, but at least they're catching on. This is what Jesus showed us from the beginning. And ultimately, of course, as we're going to see, Jesus didn't just teach it, he modeled it. So the wrong way to... To greatness is pride and the pursuit of power. What's the right way? Well, the right way is humility and service. The right way is humility. So although for some people, humility is a bad thing, for God, it's at the top of his list. And humility is the surest protection against self-destructing through pride. Pride. Being humble. And you know, when you're in any kind of leadership, it's always a good idea to remember that you're there by the grace of God. You're there by the mercy of God. You know, Paul was really good at that. He, he would talk about, at one point, he even compared himself with the other apostles. He said, I actually labored, I worked harder than all these guys. And he was right, he did. He said, but I did it by the grace of God. So he, in the end, he didn't take credit for it and and humility is something that god delights to see in his people and listen god is humble god is humble jesus said it he said i am meek and humble in heart those words came from the son of god wow i am meek and humble in heart god The creator of all things. So if the the creator of the universe is meek and humble in heart, how could we, his little creatures that are like dust mites, how could we be arrogant and prideful? I don't know, but we do find ways to be arrogant and prideful, don't we? But listen, Jesus is our example. And so it's through humility and service. And God... Resist the proud, he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. He who humbles himself will be exalted. He who exalts himself will be humbled. Jesus said that. Jesus, you remember the story? John chapter 13. You remember the, the incident there where Jesus, he has his disciples together. And it's right there at the Last Supper. And he does the unthinkable. He strips himself down to a towel. He puts on the costume of a servant. And he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, washing the feet was like, you know, just like we would think of it today. Well, that's what it was then. It's no different. I mean, if somebody said to you, hey, you need to wash my feet, you would say, get lost. I'm not washing your feet. <laughs> right? Who wants to wash somebody's feet? Well, nothing's changed. I mean, that's the way they thought about it then. And so the, the low servant was the one who, that was their job. And, you know, servants don't really get a choice of whether they're gonna do it or not. It's just, this is what you do. You're the servant, wash the feet. So Jesus gets up from dinner And he's got this basin full of water. And everybody's looking at him like, what is he doing? And suddenly he begins to wash their feet. And Peter says, Lord, you are never going to wash my feet. No way. This is so far below you. That's what Peter's indicating there. And Jesus said, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter says, okay, give me a whole bath then. That's fine. But here's the point that I want to make. Jesus says at a, at a certain point, he says, they, they want to know, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? This is wrong. And this is what he said. He said, you call me Lord and Master, and that is right because that is who I am. And if I, your Lord and Master have done this for you, then you should do it for each other. It's like, whoa. (laughs) I, your Lord and Master. I love what Jesus said. That's right. That is who I am. Yep. I came from heaven. I came from the Father, and I'm gonna go back to the Father. And I'm giving you an example. Now, I have discovered this. You know, I'm okay with referring to myself as a servant and I don't mind if other people refer to me as a servant but you know what I really don't like is I don't like to be treated like a servant. <laughs> That's where it gets, it's like, oh, you know, I'm just the Lord's servant. Okay, hey, go do that. Hey, who do you think you're talking to? What do you mean go do that? <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, I, I, I like being identified as as the Lord's servant, but just don't try to boss me around. Just don't try to tell me what to do. I don't like that part of it. Well, then I'm not really a servant. I'm just pretending to be one. Again, because a servant just does what they're told to do. And Jesus, that's what he's saying. I'm your Lord and master. I did this. Now you, you need to do this for one another. And then he said at the end of that, he said, happy are you if you do these things. You know, if you live the way Jesus called us to live, if we live serving him by serving other people, you know, your life will actually be happy. The most miserable thing a human being can do is live to serve themselves. Have you ever noticed that the people who are living for themselves are the most miserable people on planet Earth? because you, you can never satisfy yourself. It's an insatiable, bottomless pit that can never be filled. And so the frustration sets in because you just, you can't get enough. And, and you know, life, life is miserable. The, the person who's just serving, there's happiness in that. Now, Jesus, so the right way to greatness, humility and in humility, serving serving one another. Now, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, he talks about this in this, this classic passage on Jesus, our Lord and Master, who did come down from heaven. Paul writes about it like this, and I'm going to read you the from the NIV, the New International Version. It says this, Says in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest peace. Wow. So as the NKJV reads, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the mind. And and the way the NIV puts it, it shows the context in your relationship with one another. In your relationship with one another. You know, life is all about relationships, right? And life is best when relationships are good. And when there's tension or a fracture in a relationship, that, that's when you know, life becomes so difficult. If we would practice just serving one another, life would be much more enjoyable. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Christ, not a mindset of personal ambition that leads to disputing and bickering. I mean, that we've got it right there in those stories, right? These guys were just bickering with each other. There, there was all this contention, but why? It was because... They were wanting to lord over one another, not serve one another. So Jesus sets the example. And notice this here, and this is such a great translation, where it says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's what Jesus did. He didn't use his divinity to benefit himself, he used it to benefit us. And so let this mind be in you. And so this is greatness according to God. This is true greatness. And, and you know, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when our lives have come to an end and we're standing there before the judgment seat of Christ, there's only gonna be one thing that matters. And that is what God thinks. That's all that's going to matter. And, and we need to get that in our heads now. One of the reasons we need to get it in our heads is because none of us know when that day is going to come. I don't, I don't know when I'm going to actually be standing there. So I, I, I want to make sure that my life is in order. So it, if that time comes unexpectedly, like it does for many then I will be found doing the thing that God wants me to do, which is serving him by serving others. And the final thing is notice Jesus saying, whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. we've already said, if anybody had the right to be served, anyone had the right to command people to serve him, Jesus did. But he didn't. But he came rather to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the great news. If Jesus had served himself, we would be lost. But he gave up his life so we could be saved so we could be saved forever. He gave his life a ransom. He paid the price to deliver us from the consequence of our sins, which is eternal separation from God. He paid that price himself so we could enjoy eternal life. That's what he did. That's the mindset. And, you know, if we keep that in mind, that is going to help us in our service to other people. Because, you know, at the end, it's like, Lord, what am I doing for you that you haven't done for me already a, a billion times over or in a, a billion times of a greater way? So it's a small thing that I would be a servant. It's a it's a great thing that you would be a servant. It's a small thing that I would be a servant. Help me to be a servant. But it's because Jesus served, it's because of that that we can be saved. And so final word as we close, if you're not saved, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, knowing your sins have been forgiven, knowing that you actually have a place in his eternal kingdom, then today's the day for you to enter into that. And you do that by receiving the Savior personally receiving him. The servant king who came and served by laying down his life so we could all live.
0: August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. What does it mean to be male or female? Is it okay for a male to act feminine or a female to act masculine? Can someone be born in the wrong body and have the soul of another sex? How can I love my trans neighbor, friend, or child in a manner that honors Jesus? Although the topic of transgenderism has been largely avoided, mishandled, or misunderstood by the church, Preston Sprinkle addresses these very questions on a biblical and scientific basis. And he does so with a compassion that has been informed by the voices, needs, and concerns from the people within the trans community. The book Embodied Transgender Identities, The Church and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443. as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.